We make USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloan. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Hello, welcome to episode 78 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast. This episode is brought to you by Rampy and Crew patron supporters. Thank you. My name is Bethany. I will be your host for today. And today we have another Patreon guest, Miss Sarah. Hi, everybody. Hi, Bethany. Hi. I'm so excited to have you. I'm very excited. So today we're going to cover Crash Chapters 27 and 28. But first, Sarah, tell us about your journey with Marissa Meyer and how you found her. And then tell us how you found the podcast. So I have been reading YA literature for since I was a YA, which is a while ago. <laughs> and <Me too>. <laughs> so way back in like 2015, I impulse bought Renegades because mm-hmm. it was on like, I bought the hardcover and I never buy hardcover books because they're just so much more expensive. And so it had to have really just are. come out and the cover was so interesting. The story sounded great. And I expected it to be just a one-off book. (laughs) And so I finished it and I was like, that was great. I'll have to try and remember to come back when the sequel comes out. And then I moved on. Um, And a few years later, I bought Arch Enemies, but never read it. Um, I had a lot of people recommend Heartless and I bought it when the ebook was on sale, but I still have not read it. Um, And then I've also had people recommend the Lunar Chronicles for years. They've been like, Sarah, I think you would love this. And I would read the, you know, I'd see them in the stores and I'd be like, oh, that sounds interesting. But they didn't really speak to me or spark my interest. And so cut all the way to 2020. And my college roommate, who's an indie author, Megan O'Russell, posts on her social media love that she is reading Scarlet. Isn't she great? Her books are fantastic, too. I love and her. Even though I have this biased opinion because I know her and she's fantastic, <laughs> I, like her books are also just phenomenal. And so she posted on social media that she was reading Scarlet because she was going to be on your podcast. Yes. And she put a picture. She literally of- read Scarlet because. I was like, hey, do you want to come on yes. my podcast? Yes. <laughs> Which and I think is awesome. She posted the new cover and I was like, that book is amazing. I need it on my shelf because I'm a vain person and I organize my bookshelf <laughs> by color and I it's been a bad thing. So I don't think that my, makes me vain. It's like an aesthetic mood changer kind of thing. I, I think so. But now my book buying problem has become worse because I want ones that look pretty. <laughs> Um, and so I looked at the covers for the rest of the series and went ahead and bought Cinder and I didn't read it for another couple weeks because it was just crazy. Cause this was February, March, 2020. Right. And so life was chaos. Everything was nuts. All of a sudden after five days notice, I'm working from home. I work on a college campus. So the students go home for th- spring break and don't end up coming back like we expect. And it was just nuts. So I started reading Cinder and I had finished the entire series sometimes by the end of May and the graphic novels by like June. (laughs) (laughs) 
And um, so through that, as I was reading the series, I caught, I started listening to the podcast and it was just so fun because I love getting to feel like I'm part of a book club conversation with this series that I love so much. And then I joined the Patreon and have thoroughly enjoyed it ever since. Yeah, the, the Patreon, we just talk so it, much. It also my... wasn't until after I had finished like Cinder and Scarlet that I realized Renegades was by the same author. And I was like, I really loved that book. That was amazing. That so I bought so Supernova funny. as well. Yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and I'm really excited for you to read Heartless. Go read Heartless. Yes, at some point. Come out has when when did this episode comes out November sixteenth? So hopefully everybody has read Instant Karma as well. Yes, I'm so excited. I'm excited too. I love Marissa, obviously, right? Like I have a podcast devoted to her. Like, yeah. (laughs) Um. So, what are you currently reading at the moment? So I actually finished Supernova. I finally finished the Renegade series last week. And so I just started reading Chosen Ones by Veronica Roth. And then I have two books coming out, Instant Karma, and then another one called The Gentleman and the Thief. Um, They come out next week. And so I'm kind of like biding my time until those new books come out because I know I'm going to put down everything that I ever want to read until I finish those. Right. (laughs) I'm currently, I've been rereading the princess diary series, which there are a ton of books in, (laughs) Um, but I'm currently on the last three. So I'm hoping I finish them before instant karma comes out. Cause I know I'm going to stop everything and read it. And then after that, because there's a million things on my TBR pile, I was thinking of reading a court of thorns and roses, uh, because I just have so many people, um, Taylor, who tell me I need to read that series. See, I would disagree. I am not a Sarah J. Moss fan. I haven't read anything by her, so we shall find out. I think her books are classified inappropriately. You don't think they, they should, should be YA? They should not be YA. Should they be new adult? Um, th- yes. Yes. And even then, like... Yeah, they they should definitely be new adult. I think what really bothers me is in her Throne of Glass series, like the first five books are phenomenal. And then all of a sudden you get to one of them and it's like ragingly inappropriate. Hmm. And I have a problem with that for a YA series. Right. And I also like Court of Thorn and Roses is a new adult series and people put it in middle school libraries. And I'm like... I don't necessarily think you should like, I mean, obviously censorship bad, right? But yeah, there is an appropriate level of <laughs> intimacy for a middle school reading library and Court of Thorns and Roses is not it. I mean, I'm a librarian, so I'm very like anti-censorship. Yes. But... um you know, school libraries have sort of different, I don't know, I don't want to say rules, but maybe preferences or something, limitations. Yes. And I haven't read them, so we yeah. shall see what I think. We if I really, <laughs> If I really like them, 
most likely I will do a bonus episode for the Patreon on it, which, you know, like I just finished the selection series, which I loved. Um, and Taylor was the one who encouraged me to read it. So she and I are going to do a bonus episode at some point on it. So. Well, that will be so fun. I just don't have to listen to it. That's the beauty of media. (laughs) Yeah. You can just ignore that episode or you can listen to it and see if I hated it or not. (laughs) Yes. And after this episode comes out, we will have already had all of our virtual parties. So hopefully those were fun. I think they will be. I think they will be. I have so many games planned for us. (laughs) The Halloween one is my birthday. And so it remains to be seen how much of that one I will get to participate in. I'm flying to visit a friend in Las Vegas for my birthday. And so. Which is very exciting. Yes, but it and I I feel like I have to clarify. I'm not visiting Vegas. I'm visiting a friend <laughs> outside of Las Vegas. <laughs> because Vegas is like a, a hot spot right now. So you need to be careful yes. if you're traveling in that that area. So Our plans that. into include taking her 3-year-old to the park. <laughs> that does sound very exciting. Yes. <laughs> So today we're going to talk about Cress chapters 27 and 28. First, I have a a new review to read, ooh, which I just got. So very exciting. I love getting new reviews. I feel very special. And this one um, is actually really, 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 not that most of them aren't nice, you know? Yeah. I was surprised by this one. It's very well written. So... It is from the name Drew, D-R-O-O-216. And it says, Intriguing. Bethany and her love for the Lunar Chronicles are the real stars of this podcast. Her passion for the works of Marissa Meyer shines, and she provides in-depth insight you may have never thought of before. As the world of YA literature continues to revolve around Meyer's writing, You should absolutely tune in to this podcast to get the absolute best analysis from Bethany and her guests. Five stars. So thank you. That almost makes it sound like this is an educational podcast. So So big thank you for that. I really appreciate it. And we got a new Patreon member this week, which is super exciting. Yes, that is very exciting. That Patreon group chat is like going to get so big. It's like one of my favorite things in the world is that Patreon group chat. (laughs) Every once in a while I wake up in the morning and it's like, you have 20 new messages that I'm like, ooh, what were y'all talking about while I was asleep? (laughs) It is weird for me every once in a while because I'm one of your older listeners, right? And one of the Mm -hmm. older Patreon people. I'm a few years older than you. Yeah, but I'm a few years older than you. Um, okay. <laughs> and so every once in a while, one of these precious wee little summer children on the Patreon chat <laughs> mentions something like high school graduation or middle school. And I'm like, wow, I am so old. <laughs> <laughs> I love it because I feel like they get such an insight into the world. Like when I was that age, I did not know people that were older than me. I definitely think that's, I, I feel that. Every once in a while, I'm afraid I'm going to say something and I'm like, Sarah, would you actually say that to a 14 year old in real life? And I'm like, probably not. I love it. I love being able to talk to people that age and being able to share insight. Like, 
you know, when I was doing my internship, I, I was hanging out with these girls that were like 12, 13, 14 years old. And I remember talking to them one day about school dress codes because they were so frustrated that they couldn't wear leggings and all this other stuff. And mm-hmm. they were like, I can't wait to be an adult. And I was like, I got to tell you girls, I hate to ruin your bubble, but you are going to have a dress code everywhere you work. And most of them are going to say no to leggings. I'm sorry. That's yeah. just how it is. Like, I, I know it sucks <laughs> being told what you can and cannot put on your body, but just be prepared for that. And don't be surprised if you go to work for a company and in the contract it mentions hair and makeup, because I've had that in contracts before and I've had to fight against it because I don't particularly wear a lot of makeup. But yeah. just, you know, but like nobody told me that stuff when I was 13. Yeah. You know? And I remember being 13 and and in junior high and 15 and in high school. And everybody always tells you, like, these are the best years of your life. They're not. No, they're Please don't think that they are. You have the rest of your life ahead of you. If those were supposed to be the best years of your life, the next 80 years on this planet would be absolutely excruciating. And high school, junior high, I totally get it. When I was in junior high, when I was in high school, it felt like there was nothing bigger in the world than all of the crap I had to deal with at school. And it's not. Take a deep breath. Every time you go to sleep, just think, okay, I'm one day closer to not being in this building. Yes. Life is better after high school. (laughs) Yeah. My life immensely improved after high school. (laughs) But I will say (laughs) there are still clicks as an adult as well especially in workplaces. So those won't go anywhere. Sorry. I wish I could say that like after high school, bullying and clicks stop, but they don't. No, there are mean people everywhere and you just got to learn to shake it off. And it's almost more offensive when adults behave that way. Right. Cause it's like, y'all should know better. Yeah. I've had some coworkers that were like downright mean girls, toxic. And I was like, I don't, understand how you feel like this is how you should live your life yeah I've had grown women who are far older and supposedly wiser than me act very unprofessional and inappropriate work and I've had to be the one to be like look you need to stop talking to me if you want to talk about this we need to do it with human resources but you're not going to come up to me and verbally attack me yeah you know so anyways off our soapbox Big thank you for that review because it was absolutely gorgeous and I loved it so much. And if you want to leave a review on iTunes, please do so. I know it seems like it's um, silly, but it only takes like a minute or two and it really does help because the more ratings and reviews and subscribers you have, the easier it is for people to find the podcast and the more likely it is that the podcast will pop up when people are like searching for a podcast or when they get a little thing at the bottom from iTunes that says like suggestions for other podcasts you might like. So it really does help spread the word about the podcast um, if you rate, review, and subscribe. It is so true. And the same thing is true for like, artists and authors Mm -hmm. and everything like leaving a review on Amazon or Goodreads or anything like that is just so helpful. Yeah. And I know it might not seem like it, but it really is. And the more of those that there are, then the more circulation there is. You know, if you look at a book on Goodreads and it has one review, 
that's one review and that's the only opinion you're going to get. But if you look at a book on Goodreads and there's 218 reviews, then you can really get a perspective on what you're in for. Yeah. I personally don't like to read reviews before I read a book because a lot of times it'll spoil it. Even if it doesn't give away a spoiler, it'll like cloud my judgment of the book, yeah. you know? I like to read reviews of maybe other books the author has written mm-hmm. or like reviews of that author. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Then I get like a picture of the style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First, let's talk about Fan Art Friday from November 13th. I've got two. The first is from Cosmic Nova Flare on Instagram. And I've actually been saving this one for a while. It's Cress in the Desert. She's all sun kissed. She's got her little cloak on. You can see the, the canteen bottle so, and the oasis behind them. So, this is when they're supposed to be with the caravan crew that we spend some time with in this these chapters yes and you can see that her feet are wrapped and like bloody and scratched up yes yeah and she does kind of look exhausted yes yes so exhausted that's the theme for this like episode (laughs) of these chapters is just exhaustion And I love uh, all the detail in the background with the flowers and the trees and the shading. I think that was a really nice inclusion. Beautifully drawn piece. Yeah, I absolutely love Cosmic Novo Flare. And I'm so grateful because she's always like, like every time I ask her if I can share stuff, she says yes. So, And she has a ton of it, like a ton of fan art. I can't keep up with her. So I encourage you to go and check out her Instagram and see all of the stuff that she's created because it's just beautiful. Definitely. And then this next one is from VVIAA, also on Instagram. And it's so great. It's a little like scene for scene drawing of Thorne and Cress when Thorne realizes that he can't see. Yes. Which is heartbreaking, but it is what it is. (laughs) It was so heartbreaking, like that moment, and you're like, oh no. Which, if you're familiar with the fairy tale, shouldn't have been surprising, right? (laughs) No, and I've, I've said that before, too, that I love the way Marissa included the fairy tale. Because in the Grimm's version, when he blinds himself, it's because he falls out of the tower and thorns prick him in the eye on his way down and he's blinded and his name is Thorn and they fall from the sky and you know so it's just the whole thing. And his ship is named Rampion, which is a type of lettuce and so it's yes. crest also a type <laughs> of lettuce. It's magnificent. I love it so much. Yes. She, she definitely put in the effort to make sure we got all those elements included. So big thank you to Viva or yeah, Viva for letting us share that. And you can find more of their artwork on Instagram as well. Last week, Patreon voters uh, voted for chapter titles. Chapter 25 is looking for some real friends by Camila Cabello, which is great. Cause that's one of my favorite songs ever. Yeah. And chapter 26 is The Witch's Lament by Stephen Sondheim from Into the Woods. Oh, which is so good. Have you seen the Into the Woods that they did the movie with Anna Kendrick and Meryl Streep? Yeah, I, I took my nieces to see it. And actually, my nieces were, uh, I, I want to say like four and six at the time. And the tickets were sold out. There's only two seats left. So they let us buy two seats. And then like Ariel sat in my seat with me and Chloe sat in 
first date with her mom. (laughs) So, so we like, luckily they were still small enough that it was like, okay, you sit here next to me. You sit here next to her, you know, share this space. (laughs) But it was, it was very well done. And I love all the actors that they had in that film. Yes, it was so good. Um, Chris Pine was talking about it. Um, and he'd been practicing and, you know, like rehearsing and everything. And so he goes in to record his studio work and Meryl Streep was in there recording beforehand. (laughs) And so he like walks in and he watches her do her thing for like five to 10 minutes and then felt like the worst, like performer on the planet and was like, never mind. I'll just go home. She's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's how I feel too. <laughs> yeah, uh, I th- I think that's probably how I would feel too. I'd be like, what do I say? What do I do? I'm obviously just gonna go home. I'm done now. <laughs> yes, and the guy who plays the other prince, I can't. It's been so long since I watched the special features, but I'm pretty sure that like Meryl Streep saw him perform in something and called like the producer and was like, this guy should be the other prince. And of course, Meryl Streep gets what Meryl Streep wants. As she should. Yes. (laughs) I can think of nothing more appropriate. Right. I should probably do a bonus episode about Into the Woods at some point too. Yes, you should. It's so good. Yeah. I have all kinds. I, okay. So before I, I promise we will do chapter discussion, but I just found out something good and something bad, right? Like, my spring semester, which I'm taking five classes in at grad school level, which is the mm-hmm. equivalent of 12 classes, I'm told. Um, yes. <laughs> but it's only going to be from January 20th until April 30th. Are they skipping spring break? Yes. Yeah. And Easter break, which is sometimes different. Um, yeah. And so... Even without skipping spring break, it's still 40 days shorter. So it's going to be a quick semester. That's going to be difficult. But it means that I have from December 2nd until January 19th off from school. So I'm going to work ahead and do all kinds of stuff for the podcast. Because I I do like a bonus episode every month. So I was like, if I record like 10 episodes... I'll be good for a while. <laughs> yes. When are you going to finish your master's? Uh, in theory, I'll finish it in fall of 2022. Okay. No. No. In theory, I will finish it in fall of 2021. Oh, okay. Because we move in February of 2022. And I'm trying to finish it before we get restationed. I think that's that's probably for the best. <laughs> yeah. I did my master's really fast as well. I did it in a fall, a spring, a summer, and a fall. So that I Yeah, that's about where I'm at right now. If I if I succeed, I will have completed um, a bachelor's degree, a licensure program, a certificate program, and a master's degree in ten semesters. That's fantastic. So by the time I'm done, <laughs> I'm going to need a nap. <laughs> yes. We were just talking about this on the Zoom meeting the other night because 
I was talking about how long my break is and that I was going to do all this like bonus stuff and try to work ahead on the podcast. And Morgan was like, why don't you just sleep? Yeah. <laughs> I might do that too, Morgan. Yeah. Here's a thought, Bethany. You should just rest. I know. I drive my husband absolutely nuts sometimes because he'll come home from working all day and he'll have like other stuff that he should work on. Like he's trying to learn a new programming language and some other stuff. And he'll get home from work and he'll be like, I just can't do any more work. Like, I just want to play video games. I just want to have a whiskey and chillax. And he's like, and then my wife comes home and she's like, I just wrote an 87 page paper. Why don't I also do a bunch of other shit? And I was like, well, why don't you? <laughs> I, I tell my students, because I, I work as an academic advisor for college students. And I tell them all the time, it's okay to not on occasion. You can say, no, I don't need to do that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I tell people that all the time and I get burned out all the time. And so I will give myself breaks. Like yesterday I wasn't feeling well. Well, I just haven't been feeling well. I've had a fever the last couple of days. Um, And so yesterday I got up at like 7.30 And I did every single homework assignment I absolutely had to do by midnight. And then I took a bath, put on my PJs and stayed in bed the rest of the day. And the only reason I even did homework is because, you know, there's deadlines and I don't want to fail. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, take a break when you need to. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But also know that if you're a workaholic, that's okay too. Everybody has their own, um, you know, pace and and preferences and stuff I'm just like a very busy person I always have been so sure eventually I'm hoping eventually I grow out of it to be honest with you sometimes it's absolutely exhausting so (laughs) (laughs) so today let's start with chapter 27 last week we left off Cress was passing out from heat exhaustion the poor thing and the guards took Scarlet away give her to a family whatever the hell that means Yes, which sounds so creepy. I know. It's like, is that some kind of like trafficking thing? Give her to a family. Like, I just don't know what that means in my brain. I'm a girl, so my brain goes to a bad place. Yes. Considering everything we know about lunars at the moment, slavery would not be surprising. And um, considering everything we know about lunars and Sybil, you can't imagine she's going somewhere pleasant. Mm Mm-mm. So we don't really know what's happening there. Other than Cinder, I don't think we've met a pleasant lunar. lunar. Well, Dr. Erland. Dr. Erland, kind of. Some of the people in the town, kind of. Yeah. Um, But I wouldn't describe Dr. Erland as particularly warm. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) He's definitely a little abrasive. Yes. (laughs) But Cinder is also fairly abrasive. Yeah. And I like to think both of them have the best intentions and maybe just not the best, uh, you know, most pleasant mannerisms. Yes. You know, you just got to get used to people's sarcasm sometimes. Yes. Yeah. So we're back in Cress's perspective. She's basically been in a daze of like water, sleep, shiver, mm-hmm. overhearing conversations. At some point, she remembers Thorne tying a blindfold over his eyes, and she wakes up all groggy but lucid. She's lying in a tent alone, and it's dark outside. 
I like this moment where you like see through her delirium thorn, like rubbing his eyes. I feel like I can't even imagine how vulnerable and scared I would feel being newly blind. Right. Right. And I mean, he's handled survival in the desert really well. And I almost feel like now that he's not quite so concerned about the whole, like, not dying immediately thing, it's starting to sink in that he is blind and that he might stay blind. I think it's also starting to sink in, like, just how much more vulnerable he is because he's blind. Because his only traveling companion is now unconscious and he can't do anything for her. He can't even so much as, like, look at her face and see if she's pale, you know? Yes, and her only, like, he had to rely on her description of the people. Yeah. I do want to talk about that. So, you and I have had Patreon discussions before. You um, have said before that you don't like that she wakes up alone in the tent. I do not like that she wakes up alone. And so, I took a lot of time trying to dissect this chapter. That's what I do best. And I have come to a decision that if I were in this situation, I think I would wake up alone. I have a very loving husband, okay, who thinks I'm cool, right? But I think that knowing I was asleep and resting, he would take advantage of the situation and try to get to know more information. Like, I can see that. Try to, like, talk to the people and try to, like, gauge their, you know, can these people be trusted? Where are we? What resources are going to be there when we get to this town? What the hell is this town? You know, and then like trying to gauge the people. Can they be trusted? Should they should they try to leave as soon as possible? You know, should they try to separate themselves from these people? Can they use these people to help them? Can they be trusted to be like, hey, you know, we're looking for our friends. Can you help us get to this town? Like, I think and I'm not trying to give Thorne a ton of credit, but she's been passed out for like two days, we find out. So, I mean, yeah. after the first like six or seven hours, if it were my husband, I think he would be like, all right, obviously she needs to sleep while she's asleep. Let me pretend to let my guard down and see what information I can get from these people about who they are, what they're about, where we are and where we're going. Which I can see. And that's that's completely reasonable. I think... For me, like, she has to deal with a complete stranger for a while before she's awake. Because he's busy, like, holding court by the fire, regaling them with stories. And, I mean, he's building their background for, like, a cover story, which is whatever. I mean, Smith, is that the best name you can come up with? But No, um, it's not. It's really not. I mean, Johnson would have almost been better, and that's just as, like... I just you know? don't think he does a good job of remembering that she has no idea. Like she is socially completely blind as much yeah. as he's physically blind. Like she has no idea how to socialize. She doesn't know how to greet people. She doesn't know what these other people expect, even like not just from her, but from anybody. She hasn't been around people in years. She's never been on earth before. Well, and I think also he forgets those things, but I think everybody forgets those things because let's think about if she were in this situation with someone else, if she were with Cinder, Cinder would just as likely leave her alone in that tent. So would Wolf. I think the only one who is even vaguely aware of like, you guys seriously 
This girl has never socialized before. She's going to need a lot of interaction. She's going to need a lot of comfort with Scarlett. Everybody else was like, let's go get this lunar chick. See, I think Cinder would be like, hey, she's not going to be by herself. We're going to have somebody with her. And I want to be notified the moment she wakes up. Right. Well, I mean, he kind of was notified, right? Like when the girl brought him out, that's him being notified. After she like wakes up and goes and uses the restroom and then they walk her over to the fire. (laughs) Well, the thing is like, okay, so she's in a new place and she doesn't know where she is. And she wakes up after two days and she has to pee. You're the girl that's standing there next to her. Are you going to be like, hey, don't go pee yet. I need to go tell your husband you're awake. Then I'll come back and take you to go pee. Then I'll take you to everybody else. Or are you going to be like, yeah, girl, come on, let's go to the bathroom. Then I'll take you to the fire. Um, I mean, I can see it. I just do not love that she wakes up alone. Yeah, I just, I just think that like, it's, it's somewhat realistic. Like, there's, I don't think that he would literally sit by her for 48 hours and just stare at her while she sleeps. If it had been like an hour or two, yeah, but they say she's been out for two days. I just expect more. (laughs) I want him to be better, Bethany. (laughs) I know. I'm just saying I'm not sure it's realistic to assume that he would never leave her side for two days. He would just sit in the tent and stare at her. <sighs> yeah, I I don't know. I, if I, it had been like 12 hours, yes, but it's been two days. And for all we know, he was in there five minutes ago checking on her and she was still asleep. It's true. It's true. I'm a little disinclined <laughs> to give Thorne the benefit of the doubt right now. Thorne becomes a person I am fully in support of. This Thorne right now is not Mm -hmm. someone I'm a fan of. And I think also this Thorne right now, like, he's just as clueless as Cress is about social interactions. Yeah. He's the dude who was in prison for months, right? Mm -hmm. He had a port screen. He could have downloaded information. He could have contacted someone. He could have got the blueprints to the prison. And no, instead, he just sat there in his room looking at pictures objectifying women. Yeah. Okay. He's this guy. (laughs) And he doesn't stay that guy. His character arc is fantastic. He grows. He becomes a better person. But, like, every once in a while in this chapter, I see, like, moments of this guy. And I'm like, (laughs) gah! And see, I have to remind myself that people grow and people change and that he is 20 years old. And for pretty much those entire 20 years, he's been a selfish being. And now all of a sudden he cares about other people. And I don't think he knows what to do with it or how to handle it. And then I also think of like my own situations. Like, I think my husband is a very generous and caring person. And obviously I I think he's a great husband or I wouldn't be married to him. Right. But when he was in hit, like when he was 20, he was not the perfect guy. Like he definitely did some crappy stuff. We definitely had some fights where I was like, you're being a jerk, you know? And this is why like my sister, Lindsay, Hey girl, um, who, I, I mean, my, my husband and I have been together since my sisters were in junior high. Okay. They have basically grown up with my husband as their brother yeah. and they for him as they should right but <laughs> that means that they also mostly know him as like the person that I've dated and not the jerk he was when he was like a 17 year old punk ass kid 
So, you know, sometimes they'll say things like, well, Quentin would never do that. No, 33-year-old married Quentin who's devoted to his wife would not do that. 18-year-old Quentin, maybe. <laughs> There's a lot of things people do when they're young that as an adult, you're like, oh, was that the best call? I look back on some of the things I did and I'm like, Sarah, that was stupid. I honestly, in my 100% honest opinion, I think even if it were Cinder that she was down there with, she probably would have woken up in that tent alone. It's been two days. I think the only one who would have been 100% conscious of the fact that this girl is socially inept is Scarlet. I, I think she would have woken up with somebody there, but it would have been a rotating group of people. Well, that's kind of what it was, right? Like, she was awake for, like, two seconds when someone was in there. Mm. I do love, so, I love, so, Marissa Meyer, this is part of why she's so amazing. Like, I love that she has to pee. I know. (laughs) Because the thing I hate in books and movies is no one ever, like, has to take care of anything, right? Right. Just once, I'd like a scene in a movie where everyone but one person is waiting in the car because she had to pee before she left. Like, yeah. There's this, this is kind of off topic, but not really. I love the show American Dad. I, I love watching shows that are stupid. Mm-hmm. Like things that I'm not going to get invested in that are just like really funny and I don't care too much about the plot. Because it's kind of relaxing when you spend a lot of your time in a very like complicated world. Yes. And there's one episode where they, like, go back in time. (laughs) And she, like, she, like, the wife, she, like, squats behind a car and he's, like, Francine. And she's, like, what? I've had to pee since, like, 1975. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm, like, yep. Because eventually you have to pee. Yes. And if you've been asleep for two days, yeah, yeah, you're going to wake up and be, like, where am I? Where's my husband? But you're also going to be, like, I really need to go potty. It also serves to show that she's in so much better, like, healthy place that she has to pee. Like, yeah, she's not dehydrated anymore. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Uh, I also, yeah. so another Marissa Meyer is amazing moment. The fact that from chapter 13 to 27, our title character and her potential love interest have literally been doing nothing but wandering in the desert. And we're still invested. Like, yes. <laughs> That's how amazing her characters are lost in the desert and we didn't check out and get bored because she, one, has so much going on and two, she writes it so well. She does. And she writes this really well. This yes. this woman, she brings her some soup and some water. They go to the bathroom. She gets her, you know, kind of cleaned up a little bit. Yes. And then, and then Crest goes, well, where's my, where's my, um husband yes i like that she reaches for her hair as like a comfort mechanism yeah totally been there girl (laughs) yeah it's one of my favorite things about the whole series is how the female characters interact with their hair like there's several times where cinder like puts her hair back in like puts it in a ponytail so that she can get to work and that's just so real and how these women interact with their hair is so often and scarlet trying to like untangle her curls with her fingers yes and it's just very real and i love it and i think also what's great about it is like those of us who've ever had long hair and then cut it all off (laughs) i mean i've never had it down to my ankles but it is a transition of like whoa that's all gone (laughs) 
Yes. You use too much shampoo shampoo for the first like two weeks. You're constantly grabbing for something that's not there. Your head feels a little bit lighter than you're used to. Like it's just a transition. Yes. Your neck is always cold. Yeah. Your neck is extremely cold. <laughs> and your ears. Uh, but uh, she goes outside. Um, Thorne is like, my wife? Uh, <laughs> Cress is very uncomfortable because everyone is staring at her. Yes, I uh, get that. I get the <laughs> uncomfortable with all the attention. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Uh, people might just like be like, "What?" Because I have a podcast and everything, but like, I can be a little awkward when it comes to like social interactions. And mm-hmm. so, like, when I was with Morgan and Ruth at the North Texas Teen Book Festival, I had all these little cards that I'd printed out to give people my like podcast information and I was so nervous about handing them out and Morgan was like give me those damn cards and she just walked up to everyone who had a book and was like have you listened to this podcast here you go have you listened to this podcast here you go like (laughs) (laughs) and like once they ran out of cards and she just saw people with books she was like I got you I'll be right back like so (laughs) there's some people I think that are just so charismatic and they do it so well and then there's some of us that are just like why are people looking at me Yes, yes. (laughs) So she goes to sit down. She almost calls him captain, but she corrects herself. Good for you, girl. Mm -hmm. He checks her forehead. He pulls her into a hug. I I don't appreciate the Mrs. Smith thing. I feel like you really should have come up with something better. It's like crazy obvious that Smith is not your name. Yes. Like that's the dude that couldn't escape from prison. (laughs) Right. Like... (laughs) Right. <laughs> and I mean, there are other names that could come to mind that I think would have been just fine. You know, yes. like maybe not Doe, but I'm trying to think of like really common last name. Johnson. Cooper. Uh, Cooper. Myers. You yeah. Know. So anyway. Stevens. Stevens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jones. Yes. Actually, Jones might have also been a big giveaway, which I apologize for because that's my brother-in-law's last name. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> so Cress thinks his act is really overdone, but it makes her feel better and makes her smile, which is nice. Yes. They go for a quick little walk. Um, so, like, he winks at her or he winks at the people. And he's just so, like, cocky and self-assured, which is so darn attractive. And I hate myself for it. <laughs> No, I, but also I think it's perfect for this situation because yeah. one of them is already awkward. Yes. And he wants them to, I think he wants them to let their guard down around him and to trust him so he can get a better gauge of who they are and what they're about. Yes. Because you don't want both of you to be suspicious and untrustworthy. Yeah. Yeah. And my husband is not charming in this way where he's like very winky and and for flirtatious and stuff but my husband gets along with everybody and he's very easygoing and he's very easy to talk to and he does great in social situations like he can find anything to talk about and thanks being married to me even if it's something as simple as taylor swift he can handle a conversation so i don't think he would necessarily be all like flirty and winky but i think he could get them to trust him better than i could because i would probably say something really weird And then they would all just be like, oh, okay. (laughs) 
Like every time I have an interaction with a new person, I just wait to say something unintentionally stupid. And then I'm like, yep, they're never going to talk to me again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they go for a little walk, which he's been practicing with his cane. That's great. I find I have this theory that they actually are moving things around the camp. (laughs) (laughs) They might be. That they're just trying to mess with him. And so like, they're like, oh, he's figured that path out. We better move it. Or maybe again, it's to gauge him. Maybe they want to see how, how long he's been blind, how dedicated he is to, maybe they're trying to see if he's faking the blind thing for sympathy or if he really can't see. Are you really (laughs) blind? I'm not sure. I believe you. Right. Because you're obviously lying to me about your name. (laughs) Right. He asked how she's doing there. She's feeling better. I, so she apologizes to him for not being there to help him. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just so, like, such a moment where we see how she has spent her whole life being emotionally and, like, physically abused. Mm -hmm. And that she, like, she nearly died from fever. And she apologizes to him for not being available. (laughs) And that's a sign of abuse. A lot of people say that that's a sign of abuse when people constantly apologize for things that they shouldn't need to apologize for yes yeah i also she gets so distracted while he's talking yeah she has all these fantasies going on i'm like focus honey focus i know me too me too (laughs) so thorin says he told them he was going to call his uncle for transportation but obviously they're hoping that he can contract the rampian crew There's no tracking on the ship, but maybe she can use her IT skills to figure it out if they have the right net access. Hopefully they can find her some shoes. Her first pair of real shoes, which is very Ico of her, I think. Or just someone who's never owned her own things because she's been a prisoner. (laughs) Yes, but also I just hear like the the connotation of shoes and I'm like, that's how Ico would be. Ico Ico would. If Ico Ico got a body with no shoes, she would be like, oh my God, my first pair of shoes. This is amazing. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, The, I, I also love how smart she is. Like she's definitely technologically smarter than him. And I love that he's not insecure about it at all. Yeah, I love that, too. I love that there's no, like, sense of emasculation or anything. He's not insecure about anything, but... No. um... And I pointed that out with when he first had interactions with Cinder, too. Like, he had no problem whatsoever being like, okay, I'll do what you say. Okay, you're in charge of this. Like, when they met that wolf guy, he wasn't like, I'm not scared of anything. He was like, dude, that guy was terrifying. Yes. The only thing that he gets offended about is when Cinder makes comments about how he's not a very good pilot. (laughs) (laughs) We all have our thing, right? (laughs) And then Scarlet shows up and it's like, okay. (laughs) It's like, okay, maybe I'm not the best pilot. (laughs) I I get the feeling he leans very heavily on auto control features. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because when we saw him try to fly without those, Cinder literally had to use her entire power cell or they weren't going to be able to get away. Yes. So he explains the blindfold that his unfocused eyes were making people uncomfortable. So he decided to cover them up. That is such a level of being able to read people. 
And that's my point. Like, that's why I think yeah. he's literally trying to get a gauge on these people. I also think that's one thing that he's really good at is he is very good at reading people and reading situations. It's part of why he makes such a good, like, because I hate, Turn I hesitate on. to call him the leader of the crew because the women carry this series. Um, As they should. Which it's named after them. It's not surprising. That's appropriate. But he really is the one who is like, okay, let's go, you know, save this girl from the satellite. Let's, you know, let's go to Paris. And so he kind of, he takes the lead in enacting other, other people's plan. And I think being able to read a room and understand people, even when you're blind, is part of that. I think also it's part of like being a good con man, being a good criminal. You yeah. have to be able to read the situation. You have to be observant. You need to understand your surroundings. Um, and and Thorne is obviously very good at that because he can't see these people. Yes. But he's still able to, to get a read on them. And I think that that's important. Yeah. So she says that his eyes are dreamy. She leans her head on his shoulder. He's so obtuse for someone who's so observant. How could they not think we're in love? But he does have a moment where he's like, uh-oh, she, her feelings might be more than I thought they were. Because he also doesn't know that she's been obsessed with him. Yeah. Like, he does not know that she's been obsessed with him. So we're, we're seeing this from her perspective. We know that she's in love with him. We know that she's obsessed with him. He's not aware of that. Yeah. And so he says, we're good, right? I was just thinking about, you know, what you said in the desert. Mm -hmm. I figured it was mostly the fever speaking, but even still, I have this habit of saying things without really thinking about them. And with you being new to this whole socializing thing, you're awfully sweet, Chris. Oh, that hurts me in my core, that sentence. Like, you're awfully sweet, Chris. I think he's being genuine and I think I, he's being transparent. I think he is. And, and I think he's doing it. I think it's just that we have all been in that moment where we've had this huge crush on someone and they're like, you're just trying to let you down easy. You know, you're just such a good person or you're so yeah. sweet and you're just like, Oh, <laughs> that's not what I want to hear. Yes, it was and very Crest, like her only expectations of love and romance come from television shows. Yes, so she's used to like this epic romance. Yes, <laughs> built up in her head, and then she gets to reality, and he's like, "You're awfully sweet," and she's like, "Okay, this is where you propose, right?" Yes, and like, he has spent his whole life not caring about other people. He doesn't know how to do it. And like he said, uh, he sometimes says things without thinking about them. And he, he doesn't want to hurt things without thinking well, about them. I think that's transparent, that he knows that about himself. And that yeah. he's starting, like, as obtuse as he is, he's trying to get a gauge and be like, okay, you, you, you don't, you're not actually in love with me, right? Like, I'm just checking. Yeah. Because you're awfully sweet and I don't want to hurt you, you know? And so they have this really interesting conversation. Where he's an arrogant little sh- Yes. But she she has this moment where she tells him all kinds of stuff. Yes. Because she knows the truth. And he's like, well, rescuing you was Cinder's idea. I'm not really a hero. Well, let's talk about some of the things you've done that have supposedly been heroic. How about buying androids for the elderly? 
Okay, so what happened was he actually stole a necklace from his mom and thought he would get in less trouble if they thought he was doing something nice. And so he lied, but really he was going to go buy a hover racer. Yes, he has been lying to, like, cover his ass for his entire life. He's a criminal. Yes, in the (laughs) real world, I mean, you have young listeners. In the real world, that is a red flag. You don't date that guy. No, you don't. (laughs) You don't. Also, I don't encourage lying, but we've all been there when when we know we're in trouble and we try to get out of it by making some bullshit up. So... (laughs) So he released a tiger from the zoo because he thought it would make him popular. But she thought it was because the tiger, he told everyone the tiger looked so sad. Yes. You could see why she would connect with that one in particular. That he looked at a tiger locked up in a cage and thought it needed to be set free. Because what was she but a tiger locked up in a cage who needed to be set free? Yes. So you could see why she would latch on to that one in particular. He strikes me as like this really impulsive kid like, yeah. with severe ADHD, who was just like, I'm going to do this, <laughs> and had no follow through on the thought process. Yeah, which and, a lot of people are like that, even as yeah. adults, you know? Well, judging by the fact that his ship is full of crap that he stole and never sold, I feel like he still possesses very little <laughs> follow through in life. Right? Like, covering up the med bay. I'm not going to need that right now. Right? I swear he forgot it was there, that it existed. He, I don't think it occurred to him. I really don't. I I genuinely think for the criminal mastermind that he's supposed to be, he's got like a very uh, a limited view on things. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like, for example, he finds out, I'm not saying this is a bad thing, right? Because like Cinder obviously is a good guy and needs help, right? Yeah. But he finds out he is with a lunar fugitive who's the most wanted person in the world and who supposedly tried to kill the emperor and queen. And he's like, yeah, sure. Let's be allies. Just get me out of prison. Yeah. He's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that was still a self-serving behavior on his part. It's 100% a self-serving yeah. behavior, but it's still not something he thought through. And I think, you know, bringing that around to hear his conversation with Cress, I think he's really nervous about how good she expects him to be and how much she believes in him. And I I think think that's partly why he's like, okay, this is a fun game. Let's keep going. Like, I don't think he genuinely is like, haha, this is fun. But I think part of him is, is like, what else does this girl know? Because obviously she's really good at her research. And I don't need her thinking I'm some kind of hero when I'm really a, a, a wiener bag. Yes. And I yeah. think people have been expecting the worst or know that he is completely full of crap his right. entire life. And I think Cress's belief in him being a good person is a complicated moment for him. Because I'm yeah. not sure he's ever had people expect things from him. I think Cinder is one of the first people that he's ever had a relationship with where someone actually relied on him to be a good person. Yeah, and she doesn't put a lot of confidence in him. Yeah. So then we get Kate Fallow, and he doesn't even remember her at first, which I think is fair. They were 13. Yes. But it turns out he had a crush on her, and that was the only reason he helped her. Cress is still trying really, really, really hard to hold on to this. Can't you see how that was heroic, selfless, valiant? Yes. And he was like, okay... Maybe there's a hero and a little bit of a hero in me after all, but really, Cress, only a little. 
Like, he's conceding a little yeah. bit, like, okay, yeah, I'm not the worst human being in the world, but seriously, I'm not a good guy. Because I don't think he wants her to count on him, because he's... I don't think he does. I think he's trying to set that stage of, like, look, you obviously are, you know, latching on to this, this idea from your research that I'm a hero. I'm really not. Yeah. And it's the same as him telling her, like, you're really sweet, and I don't want to hurt you. I sometimes say things that I don't mean without thinking about them. Like, he's trying to be transparent. And because she's so naive, because she's so inexperienced, because she's been obsessed with him for months, she still can't see through all of it. Even though he's, he's you know, been as, as repeated as possible about, like, look, you're great. I want to be your friend. But, like, there's no romanticism here. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the end of chapter 27. Yes. What was your song title for chapter 27? So it was Zero to Hero from Disney's Hercules. <clears throat> and just a couple of the lines that really spoke to me, like he was the person of the week in every Greek opinion poll. He was a no one. Now he's a hero. And then when he smiled, the girls went wild, which reminded me of the like fan clubs that exist <laughs> for him now. And then, um, of course, the and this perfect package packed a pair of pretty pecs. <laughs> and I was like, of course, he's this guy. Yeah, he he really is. I like it. And I got to listen to the song again, which was fun. I forgot how good that music was. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Hercules movie. I chose White Horse by Taylor Swift. And um, I chose it for different reasons. <laughs> um, I chose it because he's not her white horse. Yeah. She thinks he is, but he's not. And it's hard to come to that realization. And isn't that every Taylor Swift song kind of, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I thought you were going to be my love forever. And then you turned out to be a person. And yeah. I'm not saying that Thorne is a person. I love Thorne. We know that. But... She really does have him on this pedestal, and I'm not sure there's a lot he could say to bring him off of it. He's obviously trying, but it can be really difficult, and she is yes. very naive. Yes. Yeah. So what was your quote for this chapter? So my quote was, she chewed on her lip, watching him for a reaction. Something to say that in this one instance, at least, she had been right. He'd rescued that poor girl. He'd been her hero. Like, that's just her, like, last holding on to, I need him to be the person that I thought he was. And she mm -hmm. is so desperately hoping for this moment where she's like, I wasn't completely wrong about him. I think we've all, maybe not necessarily in, like, a romantic relationship yeah. way, but I think we've all been there where we've learned the truth about someone and it's been kind of earth shattering. Maybe it was a best friend. Maybe it was a, a teacher or an idol. Uh, yes. I know I had a lot of emotional reaction to all this Ellen DeGeneres stuff going on because I always thought of her as this like wonderful idol, you know? So I think that we've all been there where it's like we put someone on a pedestal, we have these expectations. And then when it starts to crumble around you, you, you start to think of justifications. You're like, no, but 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 what about this or what about this or you're just trying so hard to cling to that because it's been all you've had for so long yes and i think that's a very human reaction too because 
we want to believe that people are genuine and that people are who we think they are. Yeah. We don't want the people in our life to be bad people. Yeah. We want to see the best in people because also we want the people to see the best in us. Yeah. Yeah. So my quote was all those hours scouring his records, justifying his mistakes, certain that she alone knew the true Carswell Thorne. Just the same thing. You know, she yeah. she really thought she had the measure of this man more than anyone else in the universe. And so to find out that everyone else was right, it can be pretty devastating. Yes, it really can. Yeah. Hi, this is Leah Stuhler, creator and host of YA Book Chat Podcast. If you love reading young adult books and chatting about them with your friends, then head on over to my podcast and take a listen. Each episode, my guests and I chat about a different YA book. We start spoiler-free and then head into our spoiler section where we dive into the mysteries of each book. And we do it with laughs and fun along the way. You can listen to YA Book Chat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcast. And now back to the show. So chapter 28, we're still in Cress's perspective. Uh, They took an extra day at camp because she was still needed some rest and to recover. They give her a camel, but it's not very comfortable. So she doesn't know if she should be grateful for it. (laughs) Uh, Considering how painful walking would be. I feel like she should be grateful for the camel. Yeah, I get that it's not comfortable, but if you were to walk for like five minutes, you'd be like, where's that uncomfortable camel at? Yes. Yeah. She keeps offering her camel to Thorne, but he doesn't, he declines, but he is walking next to her the whole time. He stays with her. I really, these people were so kind to stay an extra day. I think that, you know, like she must have really been ill. These people have really been kind in general. They've taken them in. They've given them food. They helped her get better when she was obviously having a fever. They stayed an extra day so she could get rest. They gave up one of their camels so that she didn't have to walk. Yes. Like, they're obviously very um, kind strangers, which isn't that what we all hope for if we're stranded in the desert? Yes. Wouldn't we hope that we would get picked up by strangers and not Hannibal Lecter? Yes. I I wrote down, so when she makes the comment about how he won't ride the camel as a matter of pride, I was like, that pride is going to get him into trouble. But I get it. (laughs) Yeah, I totally get it. Well, and part of it also might just be chivalry. He's like, this girl is sick. She already thinks I'm a hero. And her feet are like broken thanks to my towel shoes. The least I can do is give her a camel. Yes, because heaven forbid I take my socks off. I still don't get that. I I was thinking about it, and maybe in the future they don't have socks because I said that in the episode too. I yeah. was like, they don't have socks, and then I was like, you know what? probably just not convenient for the plot. Like that's all the effort Marissa put into this was in order for the plot to work. I need her to wear something other than his socks. So towel shoes it is. Yes. But I stand by what I said. He should have given her his socks. I know he's wearing them. <laughs> like, Cress <laughs> yes. tries to lose herself in her daydreams. I, I don't necessarily think we need to spend too much time talking about them walking from one part of the desert to the yeah. other. I, I did find it interesting. So they travel parallel to the mountains east. 
And so I just thought it was interesting, like Cress or Thorn, Cress and Thorn had been either going north or south, mm-hmm. probably north out of the desert. And so I'm curious if they would have died in the mountains. They might have. <laughs> like, I just, that's just another, I'm like, huh. They probably, getting to the mountains, they would have, they probably would have been able to find food, shelter, and water. But at some point, where else were they going to go? Like, when they got to the mountains, they obviously weren't going to be able to cross it. So they would have had to decide, like, do we follow it left or right? Yes. So it's possible that they still would have been able to get somewhere. But for the purposes of the plot, it's very lucky that they got picked up. (laughs) Yes. So... Eventually, after walking, they arrive in this city, and it seems to be a very, like, rural city. It's all among these rocky cliffs. The buildings are all compacted together, but even from this distance, Cress could see the blur of green trees sprouting between them. It did not seem possible that a city could exist in the middle of such a harsh, unforgiving desert, and yet it was, without any preamble. One step desert, the next, paradise. I, so my brother, I had a brother who lived in Dubai for a while and I went to visit a couple times and it is very much like that where you've got nothing in desert and then city. Yep. And it's, it's the weirdest thing. So weird. I will say it's like that in the Midwest too. You'll be driving and you'll see nothing but corn and soybeans for just miles and miles and miles and miles and miles. And then you'll turn a corner and right around that will be like a Casey's gas station and 10 houses. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then you keep driving and it's right back to cornfields for miles and miles and miles. <laughs> I love how she gets so distracted by civilization. I know. Thorne is like, okay, tell me about the surroundings. And she's like, it's beautiful. And he's like, the people, Chris. You literally just described every town in the universe. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so she starts explaining the buildings and he's like, okay she's like, there's so many buildings. And he's like, I told people we met in Los Angeles. You're going to have to cool it. But I'm pretty sure if you're from LA, you go to not Africa on your honeymoon. True story. Uh, I'm pretty sure if you're from anywhere, you go to not African desert on your honeymoon. Yes. Although there are parts of Africa I would love to visit. The Sahara, not so much. Right. Like parts of Africa would be wonderful to visit. The Sahara desert with nothing Not so much. Yeah. Yeah. So he begs, kind of says, like, look, don't go too far. Uh, There's going to be more things to trip on when we're here. And I don't know the place. And I'm going to need you. I've been trying to hide my weakness. See, this is where, again, pops up. He's trying to get a gauge for these people. But he says, you know, don't leave. And she says, I wouldn't leave you. Yeah. She won't leave him, but he'll leave her to wake up alone in a tent with a stranger. Again, 48 hours. I think it's unrealistic to expect that he would sit there and stare at her for 48 hours. We need to have some kind of poll and see if everyone agrees that, like, duh, of course he should sit there and do nothing but wait for her to wake up or or not. I don't think that he should sit there and do nothing, but, like... You're expecting him to be there when she wakes up and they have no idea when she's going to wake up and it's already been two days. That means that he cannot leave her side at all for two days. I'm gonna, I'm expecting him to make sure there is someone with her. There was. There was someone bringing her food. Not What if that person was book? watching her and they went to pee real quick? They're not allowed to pee. <laughs> 
I don't know. I think it's completely, I think it's a hundred percent realistic that they would be like, okay, get some rope. Because also let's to, to look at another perspective, Cinder brought Wolf to earth and put him unconscious in a hotel room with some crazy doctor. He doesn't know. And they leave him alone all the time. But for a while, when you end one chapter, she's sitting there holding his hand while he's unconscious. Right. But she leaves to go to her spaceship and to get supplies and walk around the town. Because he's sedated, she knows he's not going to wake up. She doesn't know he's not going to wake up, remember? And the, when they first get there, the doctor says, he he will wake up and we'll see where he's at. And then when he does wake up, the doctor's like, we should probably sedate him. Ugh, fine. <laughs> I still don't like it. I still don't like it. <laughs> I, I understand why you don't like it. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. I know. Because that's what we do, right? Like we have yes. to, we have to try to look at it from both sides. I personally, if I were Thorne, I don't think I would just sit there and like stare at her. I think I would probably do the same thing after. I mean, if it were like for two or three hours, yeah, but two days straight, like, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so they get to the town, and it's immediately evident that not only are these caravanners well known, uh, but they're late. Yes. So. Crest takes in their surroundings. Everything is mesmerizing and breathtaking. And Gina kind of has this moment where she's like, you know, it is kind of beautiful. It's fallen on some hard times since the outbreak. Two thirds of the population died. A bunch of people left. But it is it has always been one of her favorite places. Yes. And I, I love that moment because sometimes it takes people visiting for us to be reminded what is great about where we live. Yeah. I think so too. I think so too. Or being gone for a long time. So the outskirts are practically a ghost town, which is very sad. Yeah. Uh, the, the town was very wealthy before the plague. Uh, uranium for nuclear power and space engines. So I want to talk about this part in particular. Again, I grew up in the Midwest. There are two things in the Midwest. Factories and farms. Anybody who's ever lived in a town with a factory knows if that factory closes, this town turns into a ghost. Because a good portion of the income, a good portion of the jobs, a good portion of the economy relies on that factory. Yes. And so this, I think, is perfect example of how that kind of transition still happens even in the future even on another continent even in another country even in a different atmosphere you know this place used to be a hot spot but without the factory and with the inclusion of outbreaks it just completely fell apart yes i i do love that like we're three books in and marissa meyer is still unfolding new things about this society that uranium is their main power source yeah and also, Gina says there's plenty to share. And I'm like, you mean open sharing of critical resources? It's crazy. That is crazy. But here, <laughs> apparently, it's totally chill. Yes. So there's a free clinic. There's a market. There's goods. There's a lemon tree. There's a lobby of the hotel where people are playing cards and you can smell perfume. 
the moment he paid an extra attention to the card game, I was like, is this why he was in prison? Does he have a gambling problem? He strikes me as the type of guy that would lose everything. <laughs> also, like, think about his mannerisms. He says aces and spades a lot. Yes. When he tried to come up with a simile, he said, like, riskier than dice in a gambler's hand. Yes. Like, Maybe, <laughs> maybe this is one of his issues. Yes. I, I like, it made me wonder. I was like, is that the missing piece of his personality that I was missing this whole time is that he is a gambler? Uh, we're going to find out. So <laughs> Thorne is obviously intrigued by people playing games. He gets thoroughly intrigued when the clerk says the first three hands are free to guess because he's like, ooh, okay. First three. Cress even asks him, she's like, do you want to go check it out? And he's like, no, let's go to our room first. So they get to their room. Gina buys them a hotel room. Yes. She puts it on her tab. She says, put it on her on my tab. I'm going to try to find you some shoes. Yes. So they get to the hotel room. First, she sees a bed against the wall draped with cream-colored netting that hung from four tall posts. Pillows and blankets with gold embroidery and tassels were more elaborate by far than the linen she'd had on the satellite and infinitely more inviting. It does sound like a pretty nice hotel room. It it sounds beautiful. It does. Especially after wandering in the desert and sleeping on sand and in tents and yes. even sleeping in her satellite. Like, this probably seems like heaven. Yes. I hate that he lays on the bed all gross and dirty. <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> part of me is like, dude, go take a shower. And then part of me is like, I don't know. That does kind of sound nice after just, yes. just the hell that they've been through. That's just, it's one of my, like, I hate when I'm dirty and gross and I lay on a nice clean bed. Yeah, I'm not a fan of when my husband does it either. Like, we're both pretty adamant about, like, showers before bed. Yes. Know? But, like, sometimes he'll get back from a run and he's just, like, drenched in sweat and he'll go to sit on the couch. And I'm like, really? Yes. I'm like, no, don't touch anything. Like, you could at least take your t-shirt off. Yes. Like, <laughs> he has this joke about the bed. Yes, I laughed so hard. Yeah. She's like, well, there's only one bed. And he's like, oh, a hotel room with a bed? It also made me laugh because that's, like, a trope from, like romance story like travel stories is that you get stuck somewhere with only one bed <laughs> <laughs> my husband and I just went to see my dad in Florida because we got told to evacuate for a hurricane that ended up not coming anywhere near us and the only hotel room available was a double queen room yes which meant that the dogs literally got their own queen size bed with its pillows <laughs> I'm not kidding you they were adorable they kicked they their dogs and anybody who has dogs know dogs will make themselves comfortable i have yeah. literally watched my dogs throw pillows off my couch with their feet so that they can have more space <laughs> and these dogs kicked all the pillows on the bed into this like big circle and they laid on the bed and they were very happy about it <laughs> <laughs> but uh there is only one bed and a desk and a net screen and a window with a city view and Cress is like you, Sarah. She wants to sleep, but she also really wants to take a bath. Yes. I cannot even imagine how gross she feels right now. I'm trying to think of, like, the grossest I've ever felt. <laughs> um, and so I did actually come up with something. My husband and I used to volunteer at this animal shelter in Nebraska. 
Mm -hmm. called Town and Country. And there was a really bad tornado and it took down so many trees and power lines. And luckily none of the animals got hurt. A couple of the chickens were wandering freely, but nobody got hurt. You know, we didn't lose any animals, but it was dead of summer. It was blistering heat. And we were up there, like we were out there cleaning up all day and trying to walk the dogs and get everybody food and water and take the pigs got like uh, uh, one of the trees caved in in the pig area, but they didn't get hurt, but it did like kick up sand all over them and they were filthy. So they had to get a bath and pigs are already really gross. Yeah. And I remember coming, like, I didn't even want to get in my car because I knew my car was going to get dirty. Yes. <laughs> like I was like hesitant to even get in the car because I was like, now we're going to have to clean the car. Yes. Because also I'm one of those people, like, I like my car to be clean. Like, it gets vacuumed and cleaned at least once a week, Mm -hmm. which I'm told is a non-parental thing. That's fine. I don't have kids. So. Yes. (laughs) And my dogs get sand and fur everywhere. Okay. So I do get it. (laughs) People make comments to me all the time about how clean my car is. Yeah, my friend Amy, like, every time she gets in my car, she's like, it always smells so good in here. But I'm glad that she decides to take a bath. She needs a bath. The bathroom and electricity are outdated. She has to flip a switch. But I also love that there's this clawfoot tub. And I'm like, a cast iron clawfoot tub that lasts all the way to the third era. I get that. Yeah. (laughs) And nice. Those things are sturdy. (laughs) Plus, she's really small. Right? Yes. Which means when she's taking a bath, she's probably fully submerged. Like, I don't know about you, but I, uh, if, <laughs> when I'm in a regular bathtub and taking a bath, there are parts that don't get covered. Okay. <laughs> I love a good bath. It's one of the dream. It's one of my items for a dream house is to have a bathtub that is large enough for me. <laughs> my husband too. Yes. Yeah. That's definitely a dream of my husband's because he's like six foot three and like 200 pounds. So, you know, it just never happens. He wants one of those big jacuzzi bathtubs. And I'm like, yes, done. As soon as that's a possibility, we'll make it happen. Yes. (laughs) So her dirty clothes are completely stuffed to her with sweat. Her bandages are filled with blood and sand. She gets in the water. It feels amazing. Her hair is so short. She starts singing and Thorne is, quote, watching her. So creepy. I know he's blind, but it's creepy. It's still really creepy. Again, there's the dude that spent all his time looking at pictures in prison. Like, (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. Most 20-year-old boys in prison are going to look at pictures. It's so creepy. I don't know. I'm not. This is going to get really candid, and I'm sorry for our younger listeners, but boys do that. I, but they shouldn't. I'm not saying they shouldn't, but there's a whole industry and market that's submerged around it. I know. And (laughs) it's a problem. It really is. He is blind. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think if he could see that he would just walk in there and stare at her naked. No, I do not think he would do that. Right. I I just think it's very poor judgment. I think he would do that. I think it's creepy. It's just a little creepy. Like, and it's poor judgment, I think. It's poor judgment. So he thinks her singing is beautiful. Yes. She's singing in old Italian. I kind of feel like this is one of the first moments where he's like, 
I think he's starting to get to know her in a very real way that she's more than just this extremely damaged victim that he rescued from a satellite. Like, Oh, she sings well and she loves singing old Italian opera. And I feel like I like to think that this is one of the first moments where he starts to be like, wow, she's interesting. I think she's always been somewhat interesting and the desert plight that they've been on the journey and obstacles have been very distracting. And now that they're in a place where they feel safe and comforted and they can let those guards down and it's just the two of them in this room. Now he's being more observant. Yes. Yeah. Because he can, he's not busy focused on survival. Absolutely. So he gets himself cleaned up. So I laughed really hard every time I read this part where she gets distracted. Right? And again, he doesn't think much of it because one, if you go to a beach, you know, it's not that uncommon to see a guy without a shirt on. Yes. Um, And two, we know she's seen TV, you know, but I, I do think, again, it's poor judgment on his part. It reminds me, so there was one time I was watching a movie with my family and I was telling a story And one of the characters um, walked on screen shirtless and I actually forgot what I was saying and got distracted. And my family has never let me live it down. So (laughs) this like moment really made me laugh because like this just complete distraction. It made me laugh so hard. Although (laughs) to be fair, if I give him a hard time for being creepy and yeah, she's not being any better. She should not gratuitously stare at his bare chest either. No. And I do want to point out because I thought I forgot that I made a note of it. Bottom of page 254, top of page 253. Thorne had kicked off his shoes and collapsed spread eagle on the mattress. It does not say anything about socks. It does not. So maybe he's not wearing any. Maybe shoes have built in socks in the future. I don't know. I think we're giving Thorne too much credit. He should have given her his damn socks. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> He's going to go to the lobby. He wants to get some more information. Maybe find out if there, those abandoned neighborhoods would be a good place for Cinder to come and get them. Get um, food. Get some food. And says that he doesn't need her to come with him. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she can take a look at the net screen. Mm-hmm. He doesn't look like a famous criminal anymore, right? So yeah, that's I that's playing with fire. <laughs> like he should not trust that people aren't going to recognize him. <laughs> like again, doesn't think about the consequences of his actions. No. <laughs> and poor Cress has got it so bad. Yes. And Thorne is just completely oblivious. Yes. We just gave him so much credit for, like, how he was able to observe these strangers and everything, but he really doesn't know how to read a room very well with Cress. No. Which makes me think, because we're getting all of this from Cress's perspective, it makes me think that maybe she's not as overtly outward with her obsession Mm -hmm. as we think she is. If he's capable of reading a room and, and... gauging the people around him enough to know that even though he's blind he's still making them uncomfortable yes but the girl that he's spending all his time with he can't see those things i wonder if she's better at hiding it than we think she is but because we're in her perspective and we have her 
inner monologue, we don't notice it as much. I think that's definitely true. And I was thinking about it. We actually very rarely observe Cress from not her perspective. Mm -hmm. Like it is very rare that she is involved in any kind of scene in any of the books and we're not in her perspective. Right now we're in chapter 39 of this book. And the only thing, only envisionment of her from someone else's perspective was when he found her in the satellite tied up because right after that he went blind and we haven't had his perspective since really. And then the people having the conversation with her, like, um, on camera. Yeah, and then that's it. Like, they yeah. saw her through a camera. Yeah, so we have never been able to observe her. He says he's going to see about getting her some clean clothes, and he blows her a kiss, and he walks out the hotel room door. And that is the end of chapter 28. Putting dirty clothes back on is the least desirable thing ever. <laughs> but what else is he going to do? I know, right? Like, what are your options? But I just What else is like, he going to oh. do? Cringy. So cringy. <laughs> it's gross. I totally agree. But it's like, I mean, what are their other options? Like, she's going to have to put her dress back on when she's done with her yep. dress. Well, and he's, he even said that. He's like, I'm going to go see about getting us some clean clothes. Yeah. Yeah. So what was your chapter title for chapter 28? Um, so my chapter title was Nessun Dorma from Turundo because in my brain, that's the song she sings. Okay. It's, it's this beautiful opera. It's Italian. Um, I believe, oh, I'm going to be so embarrassed if I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> I, I do like, so the song, the words, the translation, even you, oh princess, in your cold room, watch the stars that tremble with love and hope. But my secret is hidden within me. My name no one shall know. And so I just felt like, one, it's a beautiful opera song. And two, I felt like the words actually went along with Cress in a very beautiful way. I wouldn't be surprised if that was Marissa's intention. Mm -hmm. <laughs> She's so brilliant. I wouldn't be surprised at all if she was like, I wonder if anybody will pick up on this. Yeah. <laughs> So I had two song choices. One was Paper Cut by Vanessa Hudgens. And that's because the lyrics are, your love hurts like a paper cut so sweet. I never even felt it sliced so deep. It seems so hard, so harmless, but only at first, like a paper cut, the pain grows worse. And I feel like that's Cress yes. and, and Thorn. Um, and then even more so the song Mercy by Shawn Mendes. It's literally begging someone to not lead them on. Like, yeah. first of all, I love Shawn Mendes, and that's a great song, you know? Uh -huh. But second of all, uh, I mean, the lyrics are just like, you've got a hold of me, don't even know your power. I stand a hundred feet, but I fall when I'm around you. Please have mercy on me. Take it easy on my heart. Even though you don't mean to hurt me, you keep tearing me apart. I'm not asking for a lot, just that you're honest with me. Please have mercy on me. I'm a puppet on your string. And even though you have good intentions, I need you to set me free. Like, I just can't explain the, their current relationship status any better than that song. Yes. Like, just 100%. <laughs> so what was your quote for this chapter? So my quote was actually the same as your quote. Oh, well, that works well. Yes. Which... I, when I saw that your what your quote was, I thought about trying to find a different quote, but I really couldn't. No, it's find okay if they're the same. Hilarious. 
So her fingers twitched with the sudden irrepressible desire to touch him. I love it. But yeah. also, like we just talked about, it's just as inappropriate. Yes, right? <laughs> so it, I totally get it. Yes. It is so funny. It reminds me, so in Captain America, the first one, when after he has like become his fantastic self, there's a moment where Peggy like touches him. That was unscripted. <laughs> oh, that's always cool. I love when things are unscripted. Like she hadn't met, I, I think, and I might be wrong, but she hadn't met him yet. <laughs> And so this was like the first scene that they filmed together. <laughs> and it's like, yes, that happens. It's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard. It's hard yes. because again, she's been obsessing about him. Yes. For weeks. She's also she's prone to like romanticize and fantasy. So Yeah. She very much romanticizes her her existence because that's yeah. how she's been able to survive so far. Right? Because her existence was actually horrifying. Right. And that's how she got through her day to day. And now it's like there's this, this other side to it. Today, there were four Easter eggs. The bonus word hair popped up ten times. And the bonus word captain popped up three. Next time, we're going to cover chapter 29 and chapter 30. Sarah, where can people find you on social media if they would like to do so? Um, so I have an Instagram. It's just me and my life. It's not anything fancy. It's but, not like a booksta or something. Yeah, it's not a bookstagram yeah. or anything like that. It's just my personal Instagram. Um, so, but it is at Sarah Sayan. So S-A-R-E-S-A-Y-N. So listeners, if you want to find out more about Sarah, go check that out. And don't forget to check out the Patreon so you can also be a guest. Yes, it's so fun and so worth it. <laughs> I'm hoping that actually by the time this episode came out, you probably would have gotten your card already. But Hopefully. Hopefully. I, I haven't received I assumed yet. if you had gotten it, you would have messaged me. So I assume you haven't gotten your birthday card yet. I have not, but... <laughs> Uh, also, my um, mailbox is currently iced shut, so I couldn't even. <laughs> so it's possible it's in there hiding, and no one will see it. It is possible it's in there. <laughs> oh, that's so funny! I totally get it. Yes. <laughs> so, a big thank you for coming on. I hope that you get to come back at some point. Well, thank you so much. I hope I do too. It would be so fun. I'd love to do a bonus episode too. I think that would be really fun too. Just message me what idea you have and we will get it figured out. Because like I said, I'm going to pre-record a bunch in December. So Yes. Yeah. Sounds fantastic. Good. So everyone, keep listening, keep reading. And until next time, don't get glamored. Don't get glamored. Bye. The passages read for you today are from Crest by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Patreon member Sarah. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, and the logo art was created by Angela Wong. Thank you for listening.